Hey, it's Chase from On The Table Gaming, and welcome back to another episode of the On The Table Gaming podcast. And this week, we'll be looking at the Visions in the Flame Article 11, focusing on the House Targaryen forces. As always, we're thankful to be joined by game designer Michael Chanal, and special thanks to all of our Patreon supporters who make this podcast possible. Be sure to head on over to the newly formed On The Table Gaming Facebook group to share your hobby pictures, talk board games, card games, and tabletop war games, and generally help us build a positive community. With that being said, let's jump on in talking about the mighty Targaryen forces as previewed in the 2021 update. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming back on. And, and we get to talk about Targaryens this week. But before we do that, let's take a look at some of the images that people submitted on the On the Table Gaming Facebook page of their painted neutrals, which is our topic of last week. Were there any there that caught your eye? There were uh, two artists specifically whose stuff I really liked uh, in the thread. Not that there weren't a bunch of like talented ones there, but there were two that definitely jumped out at me. First one being the Flaidman by Grant Stacy. Oh, those are fantastic. Yeah. The other one that caught my attention here was we had the unit of Bloody Mummer skirmishers here done by uh, Darren uh, Calvagno. He also had a great blaggard unit. Uh, did you happen to see the one by Stephen Bassler? It was a, a beautifully painted set of flayed men with an interesting shirt behind it. I uh, didn't notice any shirt, but yes, I did notice the flayed men. I mean, they are perhaps like one of my favorite like aesthetic units in the game. So they, they drew your attention to them. They were so beautiful. Oh, man. OK. Philou Tremblay had a unit of bastards girls that looked beautiful with a bunch of dogs and some snow on there. So thank you guys so much for submitting. And for next week, we'll have a, a challenge for submitting some of your images then as well for the designer developer to take a look at. And uh, with that being said, let, let's jump in here and start talking about the main focus here being the Targaryens. So we got a pretty, pretty amazing uh, article here. Targaryens look like to be really strong. So with uh, House Targaryens, you know, diversity is kind of one of their strengths. Can you maybe elaborate on how their diversity of the wide range of people they bring together is kind of being addressed and touched on in this 2021 update when it comes to the uh, the targaryens like they're you said diversity and that's true in just a number of ways because so as i touched upon in the article you have like the great houses of westeros and despite the fact that they're made up of different like liege lords different house sub houses and everything they all kind of function as like their own i don't want to say mini country but they, they have an ideology about them uh, you know, like the Starks, they all represent the Northerners. So, you know, even if it's not like, you know, they don't necessarily follow the the king in the North, they they follow the Northern traditions in some capacity. Umbers, Car Starks, you know, Reeds, uh, proper Starks, you know, they're all part of the North. The Lannisters are a bit more of a hodgepodge, but at the end of the day, their forces are kind of driven by like money and the fact that they're like the better Southerners and everything like that. The Baratheons are, you know, the Stormlanders. Or, you know, Dragonstone, you know, they 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 all have like a, a culture to them when it comes to like House Targaryen and Daenerys, though, is she basically is this just hodgepodge of people that have come under her banner for one reason or another, whether they're from their Westerosi loyalists, whether they're SOS like sellswords or just the people that she has freed or people who are just, you know, basically don't have anywhere else to go. She's kind of attracted all of the other. Uh, you know, the kind of the lost and the vagrants of the world under her banner. And so we see in the updated tactics cards that there is a kind of a universal theme coming on here. And a lot of it actually seems to do with uh, movement and maneuvering. We kind of see how that first cluster that you talk about overrun 
sudden retreat, swift position. How do you see this kind of playing into the Targaryen faction identity? Or why is it so important to their troops that they have? Well, so mobility is a key element, uh, regardless of like which uh, commander you're choosing in the Targaryens. That's one of the core themes of their faction. Because, you know, Daenerys started with the Dothraki, and she's basically amassing this big army to go and set sail across the, you know, the, uh, the sea to back to Westeros and reclaim her throne like that she thinks that she's entitled to. So, you know, that kind of mobility aspect of you have Daenerys, who is basically like kind of traveling around the world, sort of, or at least pulling attention from around the world. That was like where that theme of kind of maneuverability and whatnot came with, and also heavily influenced by the fact that the majority of her early forces are based on the Dothraki, so lots of cavalry. But that is one of the core themes to the Targaryens is that mobility aspect. So almost regardless of which commander you're taking, you're going to have some battlefield control kind of shenanigans. And that's that's actually a better way, I think, of putting it rather than just straight mobility is more battlefield uh, control via positioning. And that makes sense. And, and she's got some, although maybe... Uh... Danny herself may not be the most seasoned warrior. She does certainly have many people who are experienced in the ways of battle and, and maneuvering themselves in the battlefield and the other tactics that go with that. So we see get cards like overrun, sudden retreat, swift reposition. So lots of tweaks there. And in some cases, even replacing older cards out of those three, which of those kind of stands out to you the most as one of your more favorite tactics cards? Well, I know that like Fabio's like favorite card in the entire game is Overrun, <laughs> which, uh, by the way, Chase, if you've uh, seen him at any point, you just let me know. He's kind of been missing for quite a while, presumed dead, but, you know, we might have to get a new one. But anyway, point is that like Overrun, you know, because it's a momentum swing card, you know, you're able to get the assault in, destroy a unit, and then carry that over into another one. Now, this, this is a, a toned down version from what it was in the uh, the 1.6 versions, because as you see, it doesn't allow the pivot beforehand. So it does require additional setup. But that's just, again, kind of plays in with the general toning down of most of the tactics cards and the type of buffs they bring. Free actions are a bit rare, and you have to do a little bit more to earn them. And that's doubly so charges, because charges by their nature are already one of the most impactful things that can happen in the entire game. Absolutely. And so, you know, we kind of have those three clumped together as sort of your movement and maneuver zone dependent cards, or they have kickers that might benefit from that. Then we start to get down into some of the really more flavorable ones. You know, Fury of the Dragon, for example, is gone. But now we have field control. You never want to face a, a Targaryen horde on an open field. And they certainly seem to be able to control the field with this card. I'm noticing that they actually have some interplay now with NCUs, right? Where when an, uh, when an NCU claims the maneuver zone, in this case, or field control, if the NCU is friendly, you may replace that zone's effect with a friendly combat unit performs one maneuver or retreat action with plus one movement and the enemy it disengages from becomes weakened. However, you can play this when any NCU claims a zone on a tactics board, so not just your own. It can be reactive in that regard as well. If the NCU was your enemy, you now get to force your opponent to replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit becomes weakened, and they may shift three inches. So you actually get to you know, weaken an opponent and then maybe they get as a drawback, they can, they can move their unit you know, three inches away or, or kind of reposition them a little bit. Um, what's the thought behind that card? What is that kind of capturing? So in this one here, uh, the maneuver zone is paramount to the Targaryen core deck. And this is basically giving you a little uh, advantage here to like punish the opponent for taking the zone that really, really matters to you. Now, one thing here, I can foresee this one already uh, that some people will probably play this one wrong. And then the important rule here, remember, is that friendly it is always referencing to like the player with the effect, because I can see some people going like, oh, I get to pick one of my guys or you're going to pick one of my guys and they're going to get to shift and we get no. This is 
the opponent's choosing one of their guys, they're becoming weakened, they're getting to shift. So effectively, they're getting still targeted by the maneuver zone, and which would usually grant them a free maneuver or retreat. But here, it's now a much drastically weaker effect. And on top of that, the weaker token. Right, yeah. So it's the, when it's the NCUs, your opponent's playing the turn, so they would be the one reading that text on the zone, right? They are the friendly yeah, combat. That's unit. just something that you know, we can, I can see potentially some people getting tripped up over. But remember, friendly is always in reference to who the effect is talking about. And then we have some really cool ones with like unstoppable advance, where now the way that works is it doesn't only ignore dangerous, hindering the rough keywords, but you also destroy any terrain with a destructible keyword that is moved through or ended within one inch of, you also can give a bonus to search forth if necessary as well. So we're starting to see a lot more interplay with terrain here. Yeah, that's actually probably one of my favorite like newer cards, just because of the reasons you mentioned with the uh, interplay with terrain. Uh, because the you know setting up the battlefield is important, and obviously if you have a battlefield kind of control army, then that can be a big hamper for you. And especially with cavalry, you know, yes, they're maneuverable, but the right pieces of terrain can really shut them down. But here, okay, so now you've got a uh, something to go against that. So you got all your spike walls up or something, and uh, they don't care. Dothraki don't care. They're unstoppable. <laughs> Out of all these ones, we see kind of some changes slightly to things like fire and blood. So you still get your choices, but now there's three choices to choose from. And if you control the maneuver zone, you get to choose two instead. You know, you can really, you can, you know, the extra choices are always appreciated, but now, especially with that unit may reroll any charge distance die this turn, you can basically kind of guarantee you're going to get that charge off like as a sure thing. Well, there's never any sure things, but this is just another element of the kind of the mobility. And again, I keep saying it over and over, but the battlefield control elements. So you've got ones that help you give you extra like little movement tricks like overrun or sudden retreat. You've got ones that help you shape the battlefield, which I would consider like swift reposition in that category. You've got field control. And then you have the ones that are just going to give you some additional bonuses for charging, which is, again, another form of maneuvering around. And that's what this falls into. And then as we're just going through these status cards, let's just hit this last one here. Uh, Blood of the Dragon. So start of any turn, you can target one friendly combat unit and attach this card to them so a cool card attach effect when a friendly unit is destroyed place one order token on this card while this card has a token the attached units melee attacks gain plus one die and this unit suffers negative one wound from failing panic tests so this is a really cool card in that it seems like you know as you start to lose your troops and your troops are a little bit more pricey in some cases for Targaryens. You can actually have that be benefiting your remaining troops and that maybe, uh, you know, now that they're bloodied and ready for, for, for to go out for that hunt, they can do additional damage. Yeah, so with the Targaryens, you know, uh, they've kind of uh, developed this uh, reputation as being a very elite faction based on the units that were available to them at the time of, you know, uh, well, I guess even at the time of this recording. Uh, which is true. They do have a lot of expensive options, but there are some cheaper options on the horizon that uh, will be coming out shortly in Q1, Q2 this year that you know uh, are going to just give them some more options that you have. So as I've said in the article, you know, you're going to be able to take your elite guys, make them even more elite via this card, or take some of your like weaker kind of chafe guys and give them a little bit of a boost because plus one attack die is a rare effect to have. And just static, just having it around is super nice. And the minus one wound from failing panic test is a fairly substantial boost in sustain because since panic has been reduced to D3, this is effectively cutting your wounds out of here by 33%, giving you the capability here of also just suffering no wounds from failing panic tests. Fantastic. So, I mean, the basic deck here is is pretty amazing. Um, obviously, right now, like thinking in the context of like a Dothraki horde, all this stuff looks fantastic and really fun to play with. 
However, you know, as you show in this article, it seems that Targaryens aren't really not just about their base tactics deck, of course, but the commanders and their influence on the tactics that are being used is kind of one of the bigger deals about Targaryen right now. So their commanders come with four tactics cards instead of the standard three, and then it replaces a tactics card in the main deck. Now, you showed us Khal Drogo here. Uh, before we jump into him and his tactics cards, he replaces one of the base tactics cards with one of his special cards. Does every commander replace a different card or like do they always replace the same Targaryen card in the main deck? Uh, no, they all have a card that they replace specifically. There are some that replace the same card, but it's not like every single time this card okay. is just going to get replaced. Otherwise, it would just literally be a filler card. <laughs> it's reflective of their personalities. Uh, so like Cal Drogo here, you know, he replaces uh, Sudden Retreat, mm -hmm. namely because uh, you know, he's the great Cal. Don't retreat. He might tactically <laughs> reposition himself, right. but, you know, he's he is too busy killing. Tactical reposition in the other direction. It's just, uh, you know. <laughs> right. And just to give some like, um, I guess, some additional spoilers. And the thing is, this is going off of memory. But I believe Barristan Selmy, who favorite character in the setting, I believe he actually replaces Overrun uh, because being the more of a tank slash bunker style commander uh that one is he gets rid of that one because it's a little kind of bloodlusty kind of aggressive for his play style so he switches that out for one of his personal cards that um i'm not gonna i'm definitely not gonna get into that spoilers there you just have to wait and see <laughs> fair there. enough fair enough oh well, but, you know, wait with bated breath on him though oh man he's one of my favorite characters too but so the again this was with the refocus on commanders you know they all have their own unique play style and the card that they replace is of uh, the card that they replace was specifically chosen to be reflective of not only their character but also the tactics and you know game mechanics that they're bringing to the table and uh Cal Droga himself he's a uh, substantial changes as well he's got expert duelist now where each time he performs a melee attack you get to choose to either do an additional wound or to target one infantry unit in the defender's unit and roll a die on a three plus you destroy that attachment that's fantastic and he's got iron resolve where he's getting a bonus to his panic tests and suffering less wounds you know, so if he's in a unit and you've also got your uh, Blood of the Dragon on him, that's a pretty uh, non-scarable unit. Oh, yeah. it's a, He can absolutely make his unit just this juggernaut on the battle, which is uh, good because to compensate for that, because a lot of the Dothraki uh, units that you would put him in, uh, they don't necessarily have the best like defensive stats out there. Mm -hmm. And you could always do something and just stick him in like some Flayedman, for example, if you want a really big tank unit. But then you're going to get some you know cost up there. and uh, You know, it's still a good option. The thing about Cal Drogo here is that he actually received an unintentional rework. We His kit that he previously had worked really well, and it was fine. It's just that because of the changes to everything else, he had to be redesigned because he had too much overlap with the way we had redesigned other units and tactics cards. This was kind of one of those situations where it's like, you know, he wasn't changed because we felt he was overpowered or underpowered or anything like that. He was this change really came about as a byproduct of other little ripple effect changes. Yeah. And, you know, that's just something that can happen. And he's got to be the great Kyle. He can't just be given out a, you know, vulnerable in the charge, like some some chump screamer or something. He's 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 got to be the great one. Uh, we did push him in the direction of he is one of those categories of battlefield commander where he like his unit is going to be like one of those stars, of the battlefield. And I know we've showcased a lot of these, but that's because a lot of the fan favorite characters right. are just this type of personality, you know, where we have like Jamie Lannister, one of the Baratheon guys. I forget exactly <laughs> which one. And then uh, Cal Drogo here. Like, you know, these are these are effectively your battlefield rock stars. OK, like if they're on the battlefield. It's a big deal, you know, versus like Tyrion Lannister. 
you know, if you see him on the battlefield, no one's going to sit there and go like, oh, the great warrior Tyrion Lannister <laughs> is taken to the battlefield with his half axe. No, they're going to underestimate him and go like, oh, the half man is over there. That's not going to draw the same type of attention that, you know, like Jamie Lannister is, you know, taking the vanguard here. OK, we need to be worried. And then there was a disclaimer in your article, and I and I just wanted to give you the opportunity here to apologize um, that you uh, you you basically ruined uh, the books for some people here by revealing that Cal Drogo uh, uh, may have be dead. So uh, you know, we'll just leave yeah, it there. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm really sorry that unfortunately Aquaman gets uh, suffocated no! as a pillow. And <laughs> you're you're, uh, you're that guy. I see how it is. So we were walking to the movies, and you're like, oh yeah, Titanic, the boat sinks. And it's like, oh gee, thanks, guys, guys. I really can't believe that Anakin Skywalker <laughs> is Darth Vader. Passion of the Christ, you won't believe. Well, anyhow, moving on. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got this Cal Drogo character. He looks awesome. He's got four cards now. So, ride by attack. We see that moving to auto wounds instead of resolving a charge attack. Any thoughts behind why that change occurred? A lot of the changes on this card here were just to streamline things. And frankly, the full attack action was had the potential to like snowball a little bit more than we wanted it to. And here, while it is straight wounds, uh, it is toned down much more uh, compared to what it was. Because here you're going to cap out at like four wounds. And that's assuming that you're engaged with like a full rank infantry unit. So you'll be able to clear off one of their ranks and march through them. That's really the, the kind of the bigger aspect of this card is the repositioning, allowing you to crash into an enemy's front line and then later push through their line and actually get in their rear and in their flanks. I'm looking forward to you busting this one out in your rematch with Fabio at some point here with a great call in 20, the 2021 version. Well, as I said, he's so strangely enough and coincidentally gone missing. So <laughs> He's probably somewhere like training in the mountains, like, you know, uh, lifting logs and pushing trays of miniatures back and forth with like a montage going in the background. Uh, but I don't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's 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 what's happening. Somewhere out far beyond the wall, perhaps. So what about assault orders here? So you get to replace an NCU zone with another combat unit performs an attack action or Cal Droga gets a charge action. That's kind of his replacement card for the the base deck. And so that what kind of flavor does that bring for him as a character? And how do you see that kind of like solidifying that identity? So one thing I actually do want to state, and this is something that even myself, I kind of have a mental schism about, is that the card that is being replaced in the deck this is just a common thing that it's you look at the card that like is is replacing and the card that is being replaced and you start trying to like compare them against each mm -hmm. other <laughs> but that's that's doesn't actually how that works because like the card that's being replaced it, it doesn't actually like have any difference like you're you're taking these four cards and you're replacing one of these other seven cards gotcha. with them. And I'll be honest, the reason it got replaced is probably because it had less text on the card than the others. Okay, that's good reference though for us to understand then. So it's not about being like this is his special card. It's just that he has four cards and this happens to be the one that replaces one in the deck. Yeah, and and I will admit, like that is something that even myself, like when we were laying out the cards and designing them, we would go like, okay, well, like, you know. Drogo's card is obviously Adravat. So yes. that's the one that we that needs to replace something in the deck. But then you're like, but there's way too much text <laughs> on that card to actually sit in another line. And then you come to the fact that like there's no reason it has to be that card. You're still replacing the cards out. Just this one doesn't like it. And it's it's a it's a purely like a, a bit of a mental like fluff thing. And it's strange because I still do it. But it was actually Fabio that pointed out of like, what is the card that's being switched out? matter because we're just taking one card out and putting in four like you're you're right from a from every perspective 
it doesn't actually matter like which card has the text of removing a card. And those are his last it's, words. I, is that, is that what, hashtag where's Fabio? I can no, I cannot confirm or deny that or anything. But yeah, so fun fact there. And that's that's something that I foresee happening a lot when people are like analyzing the commanders. Mm-hmm. Is they're gonna get into like a conversation about like, well, assault orders is replacing sudden retreat. And you know, are those cards like you're losing this one in favor of the other one? And it's like, well, that's not actually true though. You're you're not that's not a one if that was if those are the only cards that were being replaced then that would be one thing but you the fact the fact that this is four commander tactics cards that's being added to the deck and just one is being taken out and yeah it's it's just it's that weird mental thing because even now i'm explaining it to you and it still doesn't like i'm still like that's not true like yes it is well i mean out of his ride by attack assault orders lead by example which is so cool as well assault orders Adravat, that really, that is like kind of the, the King of Kings card there. That one, I think if I had to pick one, it seems like it would be the most Kaldrogo. And you already mentioned him and, and this card. But so this one kind of just like, talk about like changing the way we think of the game or maybe especially the way you play the game. So when Kaldrogo's unit activates, he gets to pick an enemy in long range. And for the round, this card gets attached to him for the entire round when you're you know, other Dothraki forces, or I guess really any Targaryen forces attack that unit, they gain critical blow. And if they kill it, you get a victory point. If at the end of the round, if that card's been removed or that enemy's not been destroyed, your opponent gains that victory point. So there's like a little bit of a super high risk reward. Or if you kind of chicken out and don't want to play it, starter friendly turn, you can just discard it and draw another tactics card. But wow, this really opens up a lot of these scenarios and gameplays and that you can you can steal some victory points off an unsuspecting or unprepared opponent. So yeah, this is an element that you'll actually see in some of the commander tactics cards. It's not true of every commander in Targaryens, but a lot of them is that one of their cards is going to give you additional methods of generating victory points uh, in exchange for some criteria. But if that criteria is not met or the inverse of it happens, your opponent can potentially get those po- uh, points from you instead. And so here with like Cal Drogo, you have one where he's declaring a unit like we're going to kill those guys. And if you destroy them, you get an additional victory point. If you don't, however, though, and they manage to survive that onslaught until the end of the round, then your opponent gets the victory point because basically your entire army just saw Cal Drogo yell out, you know, a kill command. And then no one was able to fulfill that order. <laughs> so, you know, everyone's just now demoralized and like, oh, man, that's not good. But you got to always be watching for that now. You can't you can't let you can't sleep on Cal Drogo. You got to pay attention to where he is. If you got a unit getting low and you're within long range, you got you to gotta be watching out. Yeah. And uh, again, these effects can not every Targaryen commander has an effect like this, but most of them do. Uh, like Jorah is the other commander that immediately comes to my mind. His card that he has is Betrayal. And that one is uh, when a uh, when a NCU claims a zone, you can replace the zone's effect with um, oh, Chase, you sly dog, you almost caught me giving more spoilers. Uh, it was just Valentine's Day. Come on, think of Jorah here. Hmm? Yeah, sorry, Sir Friendzone will have to uh, wait for his full reveal. I guess. Son to of a gun. All right, all right. I'm just right. We'll we'll see if so many other hidden traps can be set here. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I really that's a cool card. And uh, the fun thing about it is, you know, I think I'm interested to see people's initial reactions because I think people are going to be like, oh, it's like overpowered, or oh, it's it's underpowered. It's going to be a lot of debate. I think because um, you know, if you you know your opponent has this card, you're playing into Caldrogo. So now you can start to bait situations where maybe Caldrogo, you activate a unit and Caldrogo 
drops it on it, and now you can protect that unit with other tactics cards or other things that maybe let you reposition it out of the way and kind of trick your opponent into giving up a victory point if they play it poorly. So to be a good Caldrogo commander, you got to really know how to fight and how to make sure that your troops are able to get in position to capitalize on cards like that. I just think that's really, really cool. Okay. You know, I, I kind of feel a little bad about like not revealing the whole like betrayal text. Like basically that was like, that was a bit of a tease there. That was a little bit of a, an unjust tease. And then you go like, Oh, it's Valentine's day. And it's like, Oh, I kind of feel, Oh, there's like this little tinge in my chest here. Like those this, are called feelings. Those are, those are... I don't, I don't like it. So anyway, I guess I will, one of the effects there I'll talk about is Barristan Selmy's card. Because let's talk about a character that's actually, you know, cool, right? Um, ooh, yeah, I'm sure there's some. I already a, feel the Jorah fans out, fans out there that were just like immediately, furiously typing on the keyboard. I don't want to be mean, but I'm not sure the Jorah fan base is quite as large as some of the other fan bases. So uh, <laughs> I think we'll be good for now on this one, just this one. Okay, so I I will go ahead and give this a, a on the table exclusive ooh. here. Uh, with Barristan Selmy, one of his cards is Legendary Boldness. Now, as I mentioned before, Barristan is your kind of bunker slash uh, kind of tanky commander. And so his card here is Start of the Round. Uh, target Barristan Selmy's unit and attach this card to them until the end of the round. Again, another guy who is focusing on himself. Like, he's a legendary figure on the battlefield. Really cool in his, like, you know, Queen's Guard dragon armor. Anyway. While attached, uh, when the unit passes a panic test, all enemies in short range become panicked. So you're getting this immediate buff. Man. Uh, but if his unit is destroyed that round, your opponent's gaining an additional victory point. But if he manages to make it to the end of the round and is engaged, then you score a victory point. Oh, man. This is a prime card for, like, you know, if you're on an objective and you play this card down, like Barristan is, you know, going legendary boldness, it's going on, you know, his unit. Now, of course, it has to target him. And just basically like this is the legendary Barristan Selmy, formerly of the Kingsguard, now of the Queensguard, you know, advisor to the dragon. He's yelling, come at me, bros, because that's obviously that, that's that's a quote from the book. Yeah, right? I think like, so. I think it was must like, be. Like, yeah. And the new one coming out. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. OK, now, you know. Your opponent can go after him if he wants. And if he does, he's worth extra victory points. But if he fails to destroy him and the end of the round happens and Barristan is engaged, then you get uh, the extra victory point. This also has the inverse effect where it might cause opponents to want to get away from you because they're like, oh, man, I can't take his unit down because he's bunkered up in a bunch of unsullied or something. Let me retreat out of combat here to steal away that like kind of glory that he has. You know, so he doesn't get to like have that rallying effect on his troops and get that extra victory. Points. Oh, man, that adds like a whole new dimension to the game, too, as like things you want to watch out for. So you got to play the scenario, but then you also got to play the target and commander because each one of these guys comes in with like their own little quirk that you got to be ready for. That's really going to make it fascinating, too, in like two list formats and how you build and pair certain commanders. And maybe you do want like a Caldrogo and a Barristan going together as your forces over maybe a Jorah or even maybe a Daenerys Targaryen because they might like synergize better with your your kind of flex options here when you get on the table. Oh, yeah. The two list format is definitely going to be interesting with uh, Targaryen specifically, given the diversity that they have access to. Man, that's fantastic. Uh, let's talk about some of these cool units that we've got here then, too. So you made some. Uh, well, maybe we'll start off with Screamers. We'll work our way up in order of uh, 
seniority, I guess. We'll go, we'll get ourselves to these veterans at the end here. But so starting off with the Dothraki Screamers, so we see some baseline changes to them. So now they have a furious charge. So enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. We also see an increase in their morale. These guys look great. And I think, you know, they're still pretty a pretty good unit for a, a six-point unit here. And uh, it looks like you're going to be a lot of synergies with the Tactics cards. I can already see myself kind of burning through a lot of cards from Caldrogo or the base Targaryen Tactics to kind of up their damage or keep them, you know, being really potent. You get your starter set. This is kind of your bread and butter unit that you're going to be having in your force if you're starting out, especially. So, you know, you added Furious Charge here and these guys already have a three plus to hit. What was kind of the thought behind that? So when you look at these guys uh, in the new 2021 kind of, I don't want to say meta because it hasn't even come out yet, but being six points, they already have, they're cavalry. So they're getting the extra maneuverability based on that. And they're also a very fast cavalry at six uh, speed. In addition to that, they've got a very impressive morale of 5+. plus. Their defense is their weak point at a, only a 5+. plus. But if you look at what they have for 6 points, you are bringing a 3-plus to hit, which does carry a lot of weight, especially moving into 2021. You have a very fast speed here of being a combination of cavalry and just the natural speed 6. And then you have the ability to really hit hard in the charge, given Vulnerable. Now, Vulnerable is just going to make the damage you deal more... Uh, I don't want to say predictable, more consistent, mm-hmm. uh, because you're still capping out at seven dice here at full with rerolls for the charge and a three plus means you're probably going to land a lot of hits. But other than that, they don't have any special keywords or anything going with them. And so, you know, you're basically just relying on your flank bonuses or your rear bonuses. You're relying on that positioning to come through. But these guys will still kind of suffer against some of the more, you know, let's say, tougher units like your Lannister Guardsmen or really anything rocking a three plus defense even hitting them in the flanks, you know, your actual damage is going to be a little bit, a little bit low because of the lack of keywords, unless you throw some attachments or something like that in them. So Furious Charge is going to let you use that speed to your advantage. Now, with the the Dothraki here specifically, you know, they don't want to get bogged down in combat. That's where they're going to start suffering, unless you build around that via some of their attachment options, such as the Screamer Co. gives you martial training, which allows you to basically consistently keep putting down vulnerable for those prolonged engagements. So being able to like synergize out your unit here. So, you know, like, okay, I'm up against a grindy army, like Baratheons hitting them hard. Uh, I, I don't really have to worry about hitting them first. Cause I know I'm going to do that. I'm already faster than them, but it's when I start getting stuck in combat. Now I've got to, start planning around that. So this is going to give you those options there. And also at six points, we got the Dothraki Outriders and they've seen significant changes as well. First off, talking about the stat changes. So now their their Outrider bow can not only shoot at short range, but if they don't perform their maneuver, they can shoot at long range. Now we can kind of see them kind of perform a more versatile role at the cost of losing nimble, right? So they're not kind of up there in the flanks as much harassing, although they certainly could be. They can kind of reach out and touch their opponents at a greater range now. They've also gained a melee attack with their Outrider's Blade. They've got a little bit more armor, a little bit more morale. What was the thought between giving them uh, a long-range attack? Well, so as you can see, these guys are the, the flip side of the coin to the uh, Screamers. Screamers want to get in melee. They want to, you know, that's where they're happiest. Outriders want to avoid that really at all costs. Kind of makes sense that you gave Vulnerable now to the Screamers, right? Because that's like they're really, they're specialized into that now. Yeah, they're going to, you know, shake up the opponent, you know, and, you know, if they're Screamers. They, it's a bunch of Dothraki, you know, uh, you know, bloodthirsty uh, horse lords charging into you. You're going to be a little vulnerable from that. But the Outriders here can kind of fill that dual role of hanging back, uh, plinking and softening up your targets for the rest of your units. And then also they're good objective campers. 
because yes, they're cavalry, they only have two ranks, but they can get those like, you know, those flank objectives or the ones that no one else is really paying attention to and still have a long threat range because you can switch their bows onto long range, which is usually a place that, you know, objective camping is not something you want your cavalry to be doing usually because you're wasting the, the mobility that you're getting from cavalry. But here with the Outriders, it's not so bad because, okay, you're basically trading your ability to be cavalry to turn into long-range archers. Yeah. The other thing I kind of was wondering about this, and I don't know if you can speak to this, but on the old card for the uh, the 1.5 edition, um, you had Nimble, you had the short bow. There's not a lot of room left on that card. And now you have that the the range icon moved over there. And I think we might see this a little bit more clearly with the Dothraki veteran. Did you find ever that in changing the design of cards, that sometimes that impacts your ability to design units? Are those ever at all linked? Well, it was actually initially a design thing that we did way back at the start of the game was that we wanted so that units only ever had a maximum of three abilities. And that was not necessarily a hard rule, but that was one of those 99% of the times this is the rule that needs to be followed. There can always be exceptions. But the reason for that being is because it gave us a limitation that you never wanted to have a unit that you just dumped a bunch of special rules onto. Because mm-hmm. I, I do feel that that's kind of one of those um, trappings that comes from design and development is like you have a bunch of cool ideas for a unit and then you just pile them on, pile them on. And eventually you're just going to blow up units. You know, I've, I've made skirmish games in the past where like that's the place for that, where you have a character that might have like, you know, five to ten different special rules and everything. But for units and this type of war game and everything, that was not the type of game we want this to be. So that the space was actually a purposely built in design limitation. Now, that did kind of come back to bite us a bit when with the uh, having to put long and short range like markers over there, because effectively that ate up one of those ability slots. Let's use that in giant air quotes that might just be taken up by the fact that you have to declare a ranged for the for for a ranged attack. So let's say you wanted to have a ranged guy who had three abilities that were all really cool. Well, you need to be able to mark somewhere on there that's long or short range. If you don't, then okay, now that guy needs to have two abilities or his ranged attack needs to have an ability. So yes, in that shift, moving that icon over, uh, we did gain some space there to technically put more abilities on there, but that doesn't necessarily mean we should or are going to. It's just the option is there. Fantastic. And I think moving on now, not to the veterans. I'm saving those for last because those are kind of the all-star unit to me right now. But let's talk about these Dothraki Harkars. Now, you can only have two of these in your army, and you kind of revealed these at times. They had been teased before, but now we see them in all their glory here. And uh, you had once referred to them as like guided missiles. Tell me a little bit more about this unit. That's still pretty much their role. Uh, this is one of the things we showed this. Jeez, I think we showed this at the original CMON Expo in May of 2020. Yeah. I, I want to say that's when we did it. I know it was back when, back when the world was still much more uh, in person than it is now. But I... It's just, man, it's just thinking back over the last like year, you know, that's that's how much things were affected by the world state was that these guys didn't even get to see their full release before they got updated for the 2021 set uh, because of like COVID and all those things there. But let's enough talking about that. Let's talk about what we have here. So this is one of your like cheap options that you have here for Targaryens in general. And yeah, these guys are basically just a guided cruise missile. You can you have two ways of deploying them. You can stick them normally as you would if you want a cheap five point unit to get some extra activations out and deal some you know, pretty significant damage with very little sustain, though. Or you can use their outflank ability, uh, which, again, is putting more importance on that maneuver zone and allowing these guys to come in and you know hit something from the flanks. And that is just a devastating hit because you're going to hit them with vicious 
six dice hitting on three plus, and then of course the flank bonuses, which are going to be a minus one to their defense, but then a further minus one to their morale test. So that vicious is going to instead turn into a minus three. Oof. And this is ignoring the fact that like, okay, say you crash into a side of a unit, they're probably going to be in prime position to get your other effects off, such as like overrun mm-hmm. or, you know, any of those. So this, this unit can put a lot of work in. Yeah. They look terrifying. And, uh, this is gonna be one that I'm excited to see on the table. Limited to two. So is this going to be like a standard kind of war machines where you buy it and there's like two in a box? Oh, fantastic. Okay. So it's a, it's a super, that's like one of your like must buys then, right? Cause you, you buy one box, you got your max cap and you can start building lists around it. That's, that's fantastic. But I know a lot of people are mostly excited for the Harakars, but I think the veterans to me, I'm just like, wow. So these guys are now eight points. So down from 10, they got a little bit more svelte. They lost a little bit of armor and a little bit of dice on their melee, but Swift Retreat is on them natively. And they've got this order to quick fire. These guys are, are beasts. These are like true, like, you know, this is what a veteran Dothraki looks like now. These are guys that are scary, nightmarish units. What's going on here? Why, why all these changes? We spoke about this in previous, just like generic visions articles, but when you start getting units into the nine and 10 point category, they really, really have to start putting in a lot of work in order to uh, justify being basically two activations worth of, uh, of your army totals. And that's before even factoring in attachments. Like if I had a 10 point unit, the odds of me putting any form of attachment in there is just going to be almost zero unless it's like a commander or something. Mm-hmm. Because let's say you put a, you put a two point attachment into a 10 point unit that's 12 points that means that thing has to put in the work of two six point units oh that unit has to be just uh from a balanced perspective it has to do so much to counteract that that that's just it's it's not going to be balanced um or at least if it is it's it's going to present a lot of problems so a lot of the things that were in that kind of point category have been toned down they're not entirely gone but they are much rarer to see anything in that in that area eight points is kind of like that's already on the higher end of what you'll see and so in general here you know the the veterans received they were toned down just like everything else was with the 2021 updates so you know their dice cap got taken down their straight up damage potential got reduced down a bit because before they had charging volley where they could make a range attack and charge in deal some more that became much more limited uh and their role kind of changed around a bit where now they're much more of a kind of a jack of all trades, you know, can adapt to whatever battlefield position they need to type unit where, you know, they've got built in swift retreat, which means you don't have to burn that card from your tactics deck to, for these guys to use. They've got quick fire. So you've got all kinds of synergies with their extra little maneuver here. So, you know, and just naturally looking in, you've got two combinations there of cavalry and swift retreat. Their bow doesn't have any special keywords or anything, but given the just extreme maneuverability that these guys have, you're going to hit someone in the flanks. So you're already factoring in that minus one to uh, defense and morale right there. But so here, you know, this is eight points. It's a very large investment in your army. Even then, you're talking about that these guys have to put out the same work as like a Herkar unit and then a four-point NCU. So, you know, they need to be scary. They need to, you know, get work done. And, you know, that that's basically where we're sitting at. Now, imagine if you were looking at a nine or 10-point unit, that situation is even more exasperated because of what you're dealing with. Yeah. Oh, also, these guys are now a great bunker for, you know, Cal Drogo here. Yes, I was just going to get to that. And that's so great, too, right? Because that that fits. And it's just like these guys have it all. Like these guys are, you know, skillful fighters. And you can see that in the abilities they have. Like these are people that have seen some stuff. 
They know how to fight. And that doesn't make them like incredibly tough per se. Like they've only got five plus armor, uh, but they can maneuver around and they can they can bring the hurt. And I just think that captures that that veteran abilities, the veteran identity so well. Uh, these guys are like incredibly beastly. So um, you know, big fan of how this unit's looking. I'm excited to try this one out on the table. And that brings us through all the units, the tactics cards. You know, this is just kind of a preview. A lot of stuff that you see in the starter box, starter box plus the Dothraki Hakars. But this stuff looks fantastic. Um, really interesting opening up Targaryen play. And I think what's cool now is if you are a Targaryen player and maybe you're listening to this episode and you're kind of waiting with trepidation for what's to come, you get a preview here. But that means things like the Heroes Box, your other commanders. There's going to be a lot of other surprises coming down the line and a lot of other ways to play the faction. Even just hearing you talk about that Barristan Selmy uh, spoiler, you know, that's a whole other way of playing. That's so thematic, so fun. And so you might love the, the play style of Targaryens. And in that art, in that this faction, there are like different sub styles of play, different ways you can maximize units to get like a very different feel on the table itself. And I think that's just really compelling. Yeah, I feel that, you know, again, there's going to be a character for everyone in the uh, in the Targaryens. Most other factions, you know, they usually attract a certain type of mentality based on the factions. But I do feel of Targaryens that you can everyone's going to be able to find someone in there that they're like, oh, man, that character. I don't care about any of the others, but they're really cool. So we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for tuning in and tune in next week as we continue ex- to explore the visions of the flames. And who knows what might be on the horizon, Michael, right? I know, you know, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, and you know what, Chase, you know, nothing. Uh, all right. All right. All right. And hopefully maybe maybe Fabio will find his way back to us. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but we'll be in the look at everyone sees him. Hashtag where's Fabio? We miss you, man. And uh, thanks so much for listening. And on the Facebook page where we post this, be sure to drop your painted units of your Targaryen miniatures so we can comment on them on our next episode. And in the meantime, we'll put your miniatures on the table.